This episode of Z Prime on the Grid is sponsored by SAP. This is the last in our series of podcasts that we recorded at Distributech 2018 in San Antonio. I'd like to thank SAP for letting us use their media booth during the conference. If you didn't get to see it, we have pictures on our Twitter feed at Z Prime Research. We'll be back next week with some fresh new podcast content as well. Hello and welcome to Z Prime on the Grid, a show about issues concerning the energy industry. I'm your host, Dylan Lockwood. Joining me, as always, are my two co-hosts, Christine and Aaron. How are you doing today, Christine? I'm, I'm pretty good. How are you, Dylan? Doing good. Just a little bit tired, but I'm going to make it, and I think I'm going to be reinvigorated by the eclectic energy in the podcast. Is that the right use of the word eclectic? I don't know. We're going to cut this. Aaron, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm also a little tired. We had our big party last night that itron um sponsored that we did with itron at howl at the moon a dueling piano bar here on the riverwalk in san antonio and i got a free koozie and i love koozies um so congratulations Congratulations. i'm happy about thank you thank you it's one to add to my collection so i'm happy a little tired though as well Weren't you mad that Christine was stealing your idea to collect koozies? Yes, yeah, so I keep a koozie in every bag that I own. So I always have my own pocket koozie because it's a pocket koozie. It's supposed to go with you places. But um, Christine, I think, has recently started collecting them as well. I've gotten her on the koozie train. It's because people in my neighborhood, we have a community group, and we started. they started making koozies branded with our neighborhood logos. So I've started to collect them. Yes, I have. I only own three koozies. A Seahawks one, a Mariners one, and a Rainier one. It makes you feel any better. I don't own any of them. So what? There you go. Uh, that voice you're hearing is our guest today, <laughs> Vice President of New Energy Solutions at National Grid, Carlos Newell. How are you doing? Good morning, everyone. Or good afternoon. <laughs> Whatever you want to do. We can edit that piece. <laughs> <laughs> you're a big electric vehicles guy. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're looking into in the electric vehicle space and what, what drives you, why you're passionate about electric vehicles. So I'll start on why the passion. Um, so, so I have two kids, uh, seven and four. And uh, one day as part of the efforts we have in the company, we had a sign and drive event with BMW and I took the i3, which is a small car, home. And I actually showed it to my kids. And they were really impressed by the fact that this small electric car was running on the same batteries like the ones that they drive with their remote controls every single day. And they were fascinated by that fact. And my son then came to me and said, Dad, can every car in the world be an electric vehicle? And to me, well, it was a simple statement from him. Um, it was a kind of a reminder of the importance and how kids are thinking about this future. And more importantly, that I actually have the opportunity working with a team and working within the company that I work with um, to actually make that a possibility, to make that a reality. So within National Grid, so we operate in three different states, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and New York. Um, and we're actively working with our regulators and stakeholders to really think about how do we expand the infrastructure, the charging infrastructure within each of the states. Um, so we have active proposals. We got approval in New York, so we're going to be working on that. We have a pending proposal in Rhode Island and Mass. Um, 
The other piece that I think it's equally important is um, as we think about the infrastructure, it's also how do you then give the incentives for customers to uh, then kind of go over that hurdle of getting an electric vehicle. So we're getting creative about things like uh, rebates on charging stations or making station side ready. So rather than having to go through the process of doing all the work, once you want to get your station, you actually have everything ready. And, um, and the last piece, and it's a piece that it's important for us, is how do we engage customers? Um, one of the things we've seen is customers are really hesitant about buying an electric vehicle. I myself was hesitant of getting an electric vehicle. You don't know where, where you're going to charge it. You don't know if you're going to get stranded. So if having the conversations about rates, about where you can charge, how long will it take, simple questions can make a big difference. And we see that because of our brand, we can actually make a big difference and influence the market and help those customers to make that choice easier. So those are some of the things we have going on. Um, it is an important topic for us if you think about some of the environmental goals that we have in the three states. They all want to get to 80 by 50. And in New England, 40% of the emissions are on the transportation side and the heat. So can we tackle those proactively? So you mentioned electric vehicles. I mean, another big source of emissions is typically buildings. Yeah. You know, are you working on that in any capacity? We have, we are. So, um, so if you think about National Grid, um, we have pretty robust energy efficiency programs. Yeah. Um, so across the US, I think we are number one in Massachusetts in terms of energy efficiency, uh, number three in Rhode Island, I think number seven in, in New York. And that speaks about the importance of just thinking about the broad ecosystem. Buildings, as you said, um, are a significant factor um, in terms of emission. Um, and we have a broader range of energy efficiency programs that enable building owners to really make it easier for them to be efficient and reduce emissions. Um, one of the things that we're now starting to do more recently is thinking about financing. How do we then offer financing or work with others who offer financing to those projects? Because that tends to be a big barrier for, for, um, for customers to adopt energy efficiency. And then the other piece, and, and it's an interesting thing we've found where Customers tend to get overwhelmed by the number of options they have when they think about energy efficiency. Some people think about lighting, um, insulation, uh, drives and motors within their facilities. And one of the things we're, we're trying to do is through analytics is, what's the next natural step for customers to take depending on where they are in their journey about cleaning their buildings? So um, we have analytic, an analytics team within the company. We're also working with others in the industry to really make that process, that decision process for the customers easier. Who's really starting to, who really drives that conversation in terms of getting your big CNI customers to, to do energy efficiency? Is it the utility saying, all right, we have these guys in our service territory, um, you know, they could implement an energy efficiency plan, or is it the CNI customers coming to you guys and saying, we want to do something like this? Or how does that really start? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a little bit of both, right? So there's some certain customers that are super proactive because of their mission, because of their business, and they really push hard um, and they push us to really do as much energy efficiency as possible. Um, on the larger customers, one of the things we're doing is what we call SEMPs, that are strategic energy management plans. And essentially, one of the things that we've struggled over the years is people tend to be really prescriptive with energy efficiency. So you go out and do a lighting job, and then you then, probably a couple of months after, you go and do a, an insulation job, and perhaps you then go and do a, a motors job, right? But the reality is, there are synergies if you actually try to plan it all together and you can align it to their business, you can align it to their investments they have to make in their buildings. So we actually have, have come up with this kind of mechanism that allows 
customers to have a long-term horizon for planning. It also helps us to know how much energy efficiency we'll be doing in any given year and in specific areas. So those programs are extremely helpful for us. Um, one of the things that is fascinating in the energy, space, energy efficiency world is we started, if you go back three or four years ago, not too long ago, the conversation was purely on energy efficiency. I want to get new lighting, I want to get insulation, I want to get whatever. Um, one of the things we're seeing now more and more is people saying, I'm good with those, we'll, we'll take care of those, that's kind of the base. I want to now talk about solar, I want to talk about storage, I want to talk about charging stations, I want to talk about microgrids. And, and for us, I mean, if you think about a company, you, you need to start even changing the skill sets of the people you have engaging with your customers. Um, and also thinking about more proactively about the solutions you're going to offer to them, right? So it's no longer, I'll wait until someone says, I want to get a battery, because you know that they're already coming to you and asking you for a battery. So you need to be ready to say, okay, wh what's the, what an offering would look like if we want to help customers that are interested in battery. So we take kind of this consultative approach where we say, look, tell me your needs, tell me what you want to achieve. How does this align with your business? Um, it's a big um, supermarket chain in the Northeast. Um, their brand, I mean, you could probably associate it with green stuff and, and the kind of people that tend to be more environmentally friendly. And for them, they realize the importance of having charging stations in their supermarkets. It is critical. Uh, their customers are switching to electric vehicles and they need to be responsive to that. Plus, it's a great opportunity for them to actually keep that customer in that facility for an extra half an hour, right? So it's an opportunity for also improve their own core business. So I would say that that conversation, it's changing in the way in how it's flowing, but also the content of the conversation is also changing quite a bit. It's interesting because I'm thinking about what you just said. Customers are influencing the way utilities are doing business directly because they are the utilities customers, but also now through you know big CNI customers, they want to keep their customers happy. So that customer influence is just coming you know from all sides and everywhere. Yeah, I mean bringing together all these different groups. Um, I think a question that I had is, I mean we've, we've talked about buildings, we've talked about vehicles, we've talked about customers at Distributech. Here, we've heard a lot about you know smart cities and all the different components there. I mean, how do you go about really? managing all those different influences, you know, and, and getting them to actually work together. Yeah, so, um, so I'll take a side note to that. So I'll, I always tell people that um, working for the utility, some people see it as a really boring job. Uh, so I go, oh, you really, you work for the utility? Really, you can find a more exciting <laughs> job? And I'm like, it is actually really exciting yeah. because if you think about it, right, um, a lot of the people that are here at Distributech, um, they all have a really specific solution. They all have a pretty specific point solution for the most part. Mm -hmm. The utility is the one that actually has the job of bringing it all together and make sure that we're orchestrating this whole thing to make sure that the most simplest thing that you have in your life, which is when you wake up in the morning, you flip that switch and it actually works, continues to be like that in the years to come, but now adding a bunch of different elements like electric vehicles, like batteries, like, like smart cities. Um, so for us, um, I think there's a lot of things within the company that we're changing. Um, the first thing is the way we're organized. Um, so, so the team that I lead is a fairly new team. And it was actually a response to the market where the market, as a company, we realized that there were a lot of different things that were coming our way. And we still have to run a day-to-day -day system and a gas and electric system. And we needed people to be dedicated to think about what this future would look like. And, and my team has the luxury to really think about how this integration happens. 
Um, and for us, and, and, and I'm happy to see that this year here at Distributech, I'm seeing a lot more conversations around platforms. Mm -hmm. um, I think in, to me, the platform, it's one of those biggest elements. The, the grid, the electric grid is just a big, massive platform. And essentially, you just need to modernize and bring different elements um, that are now techno technologically available. You, you need to start bringing them into the electric grid. So then you can have that ability to then plug and play things um, regardless of where the elements are. So that's one of the things that I think I'm, I'm happy to see. I think one of the things we, we still continue to have a hard time is thinking about the business models around all these platforms. So I was talking to someone yesterday on this evolution of Distributech. So I've been here, this is my third Distributech. And um, the first one I went, it was a pure gear show. Um, you could see all the latest gadgets and devices that are out there. And for me, it was kind of a guy somewhat coming outside of, from the industry. It was interesting because I would have expected more people thinking about like, how do you connect all those different things and widgets that you have out there? Um, I think today I'm starting to see a lot more of that. Now the conversation should go to, okay, well now how do we make the economics work? Like how do you then make the people that pay where the value is, all those different questions that are out there, how do you make them, uh, how do you make them happen? And, and, I, and I'm hopeful that that will continue to be an evolution of the industry and this event. Um, you talked about smart cities and um, for us, that's a topic that where we see the utility playing a significant role. Yeah. Um, we already have the assets in the city, right? So if you think about street lights, in most cases, we own the street lights. Um, so we already have infrastructure there that can enable us to do a lot of different things. We actually are working on a program in Schenectady, New York, where we're going to integrate um, our system with other services that the city of Schenectady needs around trash pickups or traffic management or security and kind of rather than building different platforms trying to bring it all together into one platform and we as a utility have the opportunity to facilitate that role and become the enablers um, so for us I think smart cities continues to be a topic that we look pretty closely and even if you think about again transportation ultimately if you think about autonomous vehicles you do need to have a true smart city where perhaps those street lights then become guiding points for the cars to drive around the cities. Uh, yeah, one thing I have been noticing during this conference is a theme of sort of consolidation. Because you're right, there's all the, now there's all these sort of different devices and you know, you're, not always getting, you're not always getting your devices from the same people. So you're getting all of this data and all of these uh, mostly interconnectable devices on several different platforms, but then now you're going to need to find a way to manage all of these devices that are, you know, they're they're that are changing your system, and that's a that's something that I've been seeing a lot at this conference in particular is people saying, well, you know, you've got all this data, here's a way you can here's a way you can consolidate all that data into one easy to access system, or you've got all these devices, uh, this combination of smart devices and dumb devices, here's a way you can operate them all from one platform. So I, I agree that that's sort of uh, the next step after the recent boom of new ideas and new technologies. I think in the past, a lot of people and a lot of companies were thinking about kind of new technologies and new platforms as, look, this is a solution for everything. Yeah. But it only works if you also have all the new latest technologies and all the other items within your network. And the reality is, I don't think there's one utility that has the latest and the greatest devices on everywhere, right? So 
you might have some new, uh, some utilities have smart meters, some utilities have smart reclosers, like everyone has elements of it. What I'm happy to see is that a lot of companies are saying, well, we need to recognize that there's still a legacy system that still needs to provide a service every single day. And we can build from that as the foundation and make those devices that we would consider them dumb today, we can make them smarter. We can actually make them more efficient. And that efficiency might come just from a simple integration with something else. Um, might not be that you modify that item specifically, but you actually integrate it with something else. And um, one of the things we, we, we talk quite a bit about is like if you think about volt bar optimization, which is a technology that's been around for a while, and smart metering, but independently, I think each of them have value. Um, if you bring them together, then you have incremental value that then you can deliver. So for me, I think it's, 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 it's this combination of adding things into a common platform that enables you to connect the dots and ultimately deliver greater value. Yeah, I mean, I think in the research that we've done, you know, people are always excited about the emerging technologies. Um, you know, right now at this event, you know, things like virtual reality and augmented reality have been really hot. You know, so people want to talk about that. And we've realized that it's we have to have the conversation about some of these emerging technologies, but also all these legacy technologies. Yeah. So whenever we do research, we you know, we'll talk about the emerging piece, but also talk about a lot of the legacy pieces, you know, SCADA, yeah. Moltvar, like you said, um, because all of those are going to have to work together. I mean, like yeah. you talked about, it's, it's, it's really almost this ecosystem that's, that's getting developed. I'm always hesitant when people say platform because I feel like it's that, you know, it, we're going to solve everything. You know, we yeah. have that, 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 that one kind of holy grail. Um, for, for you, and it seems like it's really just going to continue to be a combination and an evolving system. Yeah, it is. I mean, and for us, so we embarked on a journey um, two years ago of thinking what the roadmap would look like for us, uh, because it can be daunting when you think about everything that needs to change. Um, I mean, I don't know how big this conference is in terms of square footage, but I can tell you it is pretty massive and overwhelming when you think about all the new stuff you might have to bring into your system. And the reality is, you, one, I don't think you physically can bring them all at the same time, yeah. nor I don't think they add value all at the same time. So you, one of the things we've been spending time on is what's that sequencing on how do you phase certain things out, how you bring new things in, and how do you do it in the most effective way? Um, so at the end of the day, I mean, there is, there is a reality, which is we also need to manage customer bills. Uh, we cannot just basically keep adding costs to the rate base. Um, we need to, part of our role is to continue to manage that, mm -hmm. that bill pressure and ensure that our customers are getting the most value for what they're paying. Um, so it is a tricky balance and for us it's all about sequencing and doing it right rather than trying just to get the latest and the greatest all at the same time. Do you ever feel like there's a piece of customer education that has to occur because you know your customers they want the latest and greatest but they're not going to be happy when they you know they're paying 10 15 percent more so is, is there that you know feeling that you need to educate the customers on we understand that you want this but here's how realizable and this, here's how likely it is that this can happen without you having to pay you know x amount more yeah so i'll uh, i'll give you an answer which is somewhat uh untraditional um so I, I personally struggle a little bit with this whole concept of educating customers um, because the reality is I don't think we should be telling, like our system is complex enough and I don't think we need to tell people how complex it is. 
customers should still wake up in the morning and flip the switch and make sure that it works. We as utilities need to deal with that complexity. And, and I think trying to educate them, it's not the answer. I do think we need to start shifting to talking about the value we create, right? And I'll give you just one simple example. Um, we, um, last week, New England Patriots were playing on the conference championship. I know. Tread carefully. I will. I know I'm, I'm the target here, so I, I'll continue going. Um, and um, we actually had an outage in an area where we actually uh, improved and made some smart grid investments. Um, the outage happened right before the game. And thankfully, because of the technology, the crews were able to pinpoint the issue and then being able to respond significantly quicker than what it would have been the traditional way to respond. And, and to me, I think that made that concept around the value of energy and the value of investing in this kind of old, smarter grid real. Like, if you're a Patriots fan, you didn't want to miss that game. Didn't want to miss a second of the game. So the fact that we were able to identify what the issue was, where it was, and being able to respond to it quickly, to me, that's actually making that value real. Where if our, for our utility and we can integrate and pay you for having a battery in your home and helping us to manage the peak, and we can compensate you for that, that's what you want to know. Like that's, as a consumer, you see value in having this asset now in your home. So I, I do think we need to start shifting the conversation from trying to fully educate our customer. I, think the, I do think there's an important element of continuing to, to talk about the things that are going on and some of the challenges. But I think more importantly, it's important to shift that conversation to value and, and how value is being created and, and how people pay for that value. I like that idea of, of talking about value. I mean, I've worked in the industry for several years now and my, you know, my parents still have absolutely no idea what I do and they don't care about reclosers or anything <laughs> like that, um, despite my best attempts to educate them. So, I, I, mean, I mean, I agree, they don't, you know, people don't need to know everything that's happening within the grid, yeah. but yeah, I mean, to see those examples of, yeah. you know, value that's being brought to them. And, and, really uh, and so that example about your parents is an interesting one. So we, um, and we have people like that everywhere, right? Yeah. Um, and one of the things that we've realized is that segmenting customers by like residential and small business and commercial uh, doesn't necessarily give you the best view on how they appreciate the services that we provide. So we have actually segmented them in a different way. So we have the techie ones. So the ones that when yeah. the next gadget comes up, those are the ones that are going to be signing up and they're going to be asking us, how can I integrate this thing? But on the other extreme, you have the penny savers. And while they might want the same thing, so I'll use a thermostat as an example, right? The techie ones might want to get the latest whether it's the Ecobee or the Nest or you name it, right? If you tell them like this is the cool product, they might buy it just because of that. The penny savers, they probably don't care that it's the latest and the greatest, but if you tell them that it helps them to save $200 because you can enroll them in the man response, because it, it learns about their home and it, it, it reduces the amount of energy they use, that's meaningful for them. So, so for us, we, we also need to start changing how we engage with the customers and how do we talk to them about the opportunities and the offerings we have and doing it in a way that relates to the way they live their lives, not the way we would think about them, right? So, and, that, and that's an important shift we're doing within the company. It's like getting people to think, it's like, they're customers. How do you, within their own lives or within their own businesses, how do you make their lives better? I know, I know National Grid is, is very large, but if, if you could guess, 
could you say if you have a majority of customers that are the techie ones, or is it kind of just an even mix between you know the penny savers or, or the techie customers, at least in, in yeah. your service, service territory? I mean, I would say, so the techie ones and the penny savers are, if you think about a normal distribution, they tend to be on the tail end of both sides. Um, then you have people in the middle, like the families, the family of four, the family of three, the working families, um, that care to some degree. They're not necessarily the first, uh, the early adopters. Mm -hmm. They do care. They also care about their money, right? So, so you have um, kind of a family like myself. Like we kind of have a ton of usage in the morning, ton of use in the afternoon, but then you have a ton of flexibility in the day because there's no one at home. So how do you then, how do you then think about the offerings for those? And and I would argue that's where you have the majority of the customers. Um, those tend to be the customers that don't. They're not the loudest, right? So the loudest, the ones that you hear a lot more from, are the ones on the two extremes. Because those are the ones that either want to get the latest and the greatest early, or the ones that are struggling because every penny counts for them. So, um, so it, it is an interesting dynamic when you start to think about how do I target them? Do you target the ones that make a lot of noise, or do you target the majority of the customers you have? I mean, around customer engagement, one, one thing I've, well, I actually haven't seen it at the event. Usually there's some like platform or some term that you see up everywhere. Um, and it's a term that I feel like gets a really strong reaction, either very positive or very negative. So, um, you know, what do you think about blockchain? What's your dun 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 dun? dun. Um, <laughs> look, I uh, so I'm not going to pretend to be a, a blockchain expert. I um, I actually just watched the documentary on Netflix recently on blockchain because I I still. Um, I understand the concept and I understand the mechanics. Um, I think I see certain areas where it makes a lot of sense. Um, there might be some some areas in the energy space where that makes sense. Uh, we've been thinking, so on the DSP, which is the distributed system platform project we have, mm -hmm. we've been thinking about blockchain quite a bit. Um, I think it will, will take some time. Um, I don't think tomorrow everything will change and suddenly we're not going to be talking about dollars, but we'll be talking about cryptocurrency. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, um, I, I do think it's an opportunity. So I'm um, encouraged by that. Um, I also want to make sure that we give it a little bit of time to understand how it actually works and, and, and how it truly applies in a way that, that it will be meaningful. And, and that's, I think, one, one piece we, as a company, as, a, as an industry, I think we need to be careful. I think we do tend to get carried away by certain technologies or certain events that significantly change the way we operate. Um, and I'll use storage as an example. Like storage is a great technology um, in any way you look at it, right? It's a, it's a great technology because it allows us for the first time to store power, which is a thing that we've not been able to do in the past. Um, but to me, that doesn't mean that you need to put a battery everywhere, right? If you think yeah. about kind of any supply chain in the world, you don't have a warehouse in every quarter. You have a warehouse that is placed strategically in certain areas to store products for any given time so then they can be dispatched. We need to think about things like storage the same way, right? You might not have a battery everywhere, mm -hmm. but you do want to put them in places where it does help the grid, where it does help customers. Um, and that's why, that's my theme about not, not getting too, too crazy about things. Like we need to rationalize and say, this is a great opportunity. Absolutely, let's get on board. And we have a bunch of projects in storage. 
but let's do it where it makes sense. Let's not just do it for the sake of doing batteries. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, blockchain, I feel like, is just the utility industry. They think there's a lot of fun stuff going on, but people are pretty mild mannered, and I've never seen people like so. They did look mild mannered last night. I would say that. <laughs> yes, that party. That was yes. that was legendary. It was fun for you for the utility industry. For sure. <laughs> I was home preparing for the podcast. I hope you guys had fun. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. there. See, they can't see me they can't see me winking knowingly at you. Yeah, I don't think you winked though. I did, I just didn't go all the way. Okay. <laughs> I'm not I'm bad at winking intentionally. So it's always confusion? Yeah, I yeah, I, I, it's I, I sometimes, sometimes I put winking. too much sometimes I put too much face into it. It's this whole thing. It just looked like a twitch at that point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, 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 yeah, that was are, pretty bad. Some people are gifted and some people aren't. <laughs> Christine, did you have a game you wanted to play? Oh, yeah. I mean, we talked about Star Wars on a previous podcast with um, Amir Hussein from Spark Cognition. We talked about Star Trek. Which, which one are you? Um, so I'll go with neither. Um, in full disclosure, I'm not a huge fan of um, Star Wars or Star Trek, and I tend to get them confused quite a bit. Um, in my case, my wife um, actually struggles quite a bit with that because she is, in fact, a pretty hardcore fan of Star Wars. Okay. Um, so I do suffer quite a bit every time I ask a stupid question around, is this part of this series or the other one? So uh, not the best one. Happy to play the game. Um, I'm sure I'll get all the wrong answers, but, but that's fine. Um, I would say I did watch the last uh, Star Wars movie, so yes. I know a little yeah, bit about it. I'm the it. only one who hasn't seen it. So I know a little bit about it, um, so I'll give it my best. But Christine, you know you're, you know enough about it. I'm in the same boat as you. Y'all, they can't see me, but I'm sitting here shaking my head. <laughs> Carlos is talking about getting them confused. I get them confused. And I've also only seen the most recent Star Wars movie. So I think we're uh, in the same boat. Yeah, I was, I was raised on Star Wars. But then I saw the middle Star Wars, and I just... Which one just, is the middle? Isn't the middle the way they started, the though? The prequels. The prequels. Oh, the prequels. It's okay. confusing like that. Okay. I was yeah. raised so on the John middle, Wayne The, the middle is where they started. Ones, yeah, the starting ones. And I just... Those are so disappointing. So we've gotten this far in and you haven't explained what the rules of the game are. All right, so we'll see. Hopefully, so I'm, I'm going to do a quick quiz with Carlos. Okay. To see if he can tell the difference between Star Wars and Star Trek both. Now, the rules of the game are that Carlos gets to answer first. Dylan is a huge fan of both. <laughs> and he's going to shout out answers or want to shout them out. But Dylan cannot. He has to sit quiet until called upon. And Aaron Hardick, you, you, I know you'll be good and you won't. Can we at least try yell. to combine our limited knowledge and see if we can get to a, the right answer? Throw me a lifeline. Yeah, exactly. A, Call a friend. Not, I think the, two, the first two, I feel like, are, are pretty easy. But we'll see. You <laughs> we'll never see. know. Yeah. I'm setting the bar really low here. Okay. I'll have, a, I'll have my tongue depressor at the ready. And then the third one's a little bit harder, and we'll, we'll see how that goes. Okay. Okay. All right. So the first quote is, when 900 years old, you reach, look as good, you will not. Yoda. Star yes. Wars. Yes. Yes. Uh, See? 
Awesome. Off to a good start. I didn't know that one too. But well, I, did, I didn't know the quote. I just knew the, the way you phrase it. Yeah, yes. the way you phrase it. That's the only way I guessed it. <laughs> yeah, I would have never known the quote. So if you ask me what movie is it from, I couldn't tell it you. It was because of the way I said it, but. Yes, you sounded like Yoda. It was all Empire about you, back. Christine. <sighs> okay. It's from episode five of Empire Strikes Back. All right, well, at least you can at make least, your wife proud. You can have At least I have one, one out of whatever you have. Now, this one should be pretty easy. Live long and prosper. Uh, Star Trek. Yes. And the only reason why I know it is because Big Bang Theory. Sheldon Cooper. <laughs> That's the only way I know the answer for that one. That's fair. All right. All right. Because I have watched not that. watched that movie. He does, he does this, yeah. He yeah. does this with the hands. Yeah. All right. Last one. Because he's holding a thermal detonator. That's it? <laughs> It's a famous. It's, I mean, it's famous if you if you like. Uh, this was on the IMDb quote page, wasn't it? Just take a guess. Um, die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> I know that was not an option. Now I have a machine gun. Um, I have no idea. It's from st Star <laughs> Trek. No. No, it's from Star Wars. It's from Return of the Jedi. It's when they're in Jabba's palace and. Uh, the guy. Who says it? Well, C-3PO says that because he's holding a thermal detonator. The the fake bounty hunter that Leia is dressed up as is like pre pretending to have captured Chewbacca, and then to seem like a real scumbag, he's like, "Oh, actually, I want fifty thousand instead of forty 000. What was the name of the bounty hunter she was pretending to be? <sighs> That's tough. Ooh. Oh, I, I I wrote down notes for Dylan. You did. I now this one. <laughs> this is getting good. <laughs> Right. Now I feel I'm not the one getting interviewed. I feel bad. This, uh, this, this is hard. Crazy. This is hard because Return of the Jedi is probably the Star Wars film of the original three that I've seen the least. Uh, I've seen the I've seen A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back at like a hundred times, and I've only seen Return of the Jedi like twenty. You're times. delaying. Yeah. yeah, you're buying yourself uh, time. I can, I can lend you my phone if you want. If you want to Google it, <laughs> it wasn't Boss because that's the that's the dinosaur looking dude. Was it Dengar? I, I had that it was Boosh. Boosh, okay. What year did Return of the Jedi come out? Return of the Jedi came out, let's see, Star Wars came out in 77, Empire Strikes Back came out in, <laughs> okay, so uh, did Return of the Jedi come out in 85? 83. 83. Ooh, close. Uh, I know the things that matter. Yeah. yeah. Son of a gun. Okay. I'm telling you, in this energy world, it's all about Star Trek than Star Wars. Yeah, Although, if you think about it, though, I mean, um, again, I'm not the biggest fan, but it is, they're pretty, I mean, progressive movies in the sense that you see a lot of the stuff that we all think and talk about here in this show and things that potentially could have been in those shows that were created 20 years ago. So, Isn't R2-D2 basically an autonomous vehicle? Which one? Is this the little thing? The yeah, little, little robot? trash can. Is it a trash, trash can? can? Okay, good. Sure. <laughs> It's kind of a robot. For BB sure. eight, BB eight is the orange ball one. Oh, okay. That, yeah. yeah. I mean, two out of three—that's impressive. That's, that's better than. I thought pretty that was a job. That's pretty decent. I thought that was pretty um, I was—I'll leave this place proud that I at least got two right. I was—I yeah. was waiting to pounce on you if you did—if you did beam me up, Scotty, because that line's no, never I, actually said in Star Trek. Okay. I—I I was just pulling from actual quotes. There and you go. Researching it. Making sure they were 100% accurate. There you go. Okay. But that's a, 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 a fun thing you can take to pub trivia 
everybody, is that in no episode of Star Trek or film does anyone ever say the line, beam me up, Scotty. Now you know. Now I, mean, I know. Learning, you're learning all sorts of stuff I'm learning everything, podcast. yeah. What <laughs> I never expected to learn on the podcast. This is very... This is very sci-fi heavy Distributech, assuming if you count The Walking Dead as sci-fi, which is more of a drama, but whatever. Lines are blurred. Yeah, we discussed that on another podcast. Oh, yeah. A little bit. Was that a podcast? Do you know what or The or Walking that Dead is? I know it's a show. Okay. Oh. I don't get to watch a lot of adult TV. Like, I get a lot of cartoons at home, so I can tell you about... Um, PJ Mask and Mickey Mouse and those things. Okay, um, we should have. Ah, so yeah, so those, for that. those I would have been in a much better position to answer. Um, some of the other stuff I'm not as good. So we need to start. We need to start petitioning these places to do trivia nights. Yeah. I'd be happy to help. Just as an FYI, you don't want me in your team. <laughs> so if, if 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 there ever is a team. You do not want me on your team. All right. Probably don't want to broadcast that. Yes. Although oh, no, I, I talk about it openly, so <laughs> that's fine. And on that note, I think we'll, uh, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, I'd, like to thank our, I'd like to thank our guest, Carlos, for coming on. Thanks for, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks. It was really fun. Uh, yeah. It was a different podcast, for sure. Um, and keep doing what you guys are doing. It's really good. We appreciate it. Thanks for being here, Christine. Yeah, yeah, glad I could stump you. So You did. Yeah. I couldn't remember Booch. That was awesome. I'll remember Booch next time. Uh, and Aaron, thanks for coming. Thanks, Dylan. Carlos, thank you for finally taking some of the pressure off me for not knowing what these two are talking about <laughs> half the time. I can never contribute to these right. dang conversations. So thank you for you sharing You need to pick that. a topic that you're really good at and they're not. Yeah. So. yeah, we'll do a Disney Channel original movies podcast next. I'm not proficient. I'm not very well versed. You're the one who brought up Mom House or whatever. Oh, yeah, you did see. Out of nowhere. Yes, yes. I could probably do that. (laughs) Also, since this will be our last podcast we're recording at DTech, I just want to thank SAP for giving us their super cool booth. You should check out our social media feed on Z Prime underscore Research to see pictures of the booth and our VR display. It was a, a whole lot of fun. You can find the three of us on social media. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at, at D.Y. Lockwood. You can find Christine at H.C. underscore Richards and Aaron at Aaron underscore Hardick. Our research, our articles, and our blog posts over at etsinsights.com. If you're going to ETS, you can find information or registration at ets18.co. Carlos, are you going to ETS? I am. Speaking at it. Oh, awesome. It's going to be uh, talking about innovation in the energy space. So it's going to be fun. That's what we're always looking for in our talks. So, yeah, well, I'll make sure to check it out. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. My name is Dylan, and we'll see you all next time.